This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. What up, what up? Jackson Schneider with you here on a Friday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 FM. Uh, for now, I am running solo today, but we may bring in some help towards the later stages of the show. James has been out uh, and been very busy today, you know golfing and whatnot, kind of taking the day off, so to speak. But he may he may end up in here for the tail end of the show. We'll see if uh, he can wrap up his rounds soon enough. We also may rally in the troops and bring in Sam Henderson for a bit of a Mount Rushmore to end the show as well. You know we like to have a little bit of extra added fun on Fridays, so we'll try to do that. But uh you know, just just a lot to go over today, and, and we talked a little bit about some of these things yesterday, but I kind of wanted to, to comb back over it um, because we didn't get to put, I don't feel like, enough attention on some of these things as we look forward to next week and Big 12 Media Days, uh, specifically the uh, Big 12 all preseason teams, the player of the year, defensive player of the year, newcomer of the year. I've got got a few opinions on some of those. Uh, don't necessarily disagree with the the media picks, the ones of the panel that were were chosen. Um, but I do have some some differing opinions on that. So you know what? Let's just let's just start there today. Um, as, as you know, or if you listened earlier in the week, uh, Bijan Robinson was the Big Twelve preseason offensive player of the year, and um, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I think Bijan Robinson is a spectacular running back. He's he's arguably the best running back in the Big Twelve. Uh, but as many of you know, there's another really good running back not far down the road from here in Salina by the name of Deuce Vaughn. And obviously, he is a very, very talented running back as well. He was a member of the All-Big 12 preseason team. He just was not the offensive player of the year. And and I get it. I do. Because Bijan Robinson is, is not only a good running back, but he's a good running back at the University of Texas. So obviously he's going to outweigh Deuce Vaughn in, in some of those categories like um, perception before a season and his odds to win the Heisman, things like that, just because he's from a bigger market team and, and more people will more than likely have that opinion because of their biases. But obviously I'm a little more slanted in my bias towards Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he's right down the road. We've seen for two years now what he is capable of doing for an offense at a in a team like Kansas State, but he would have probably gotten my vote in in that regard. But if if I wanted to take another step back and, and talk about a, a potential surprise, and, and when I say surprise, it would be more of a surprise to people outside of the state of Kansas and maybe just outside of Lawrence, Kansas. And you're probably going to scoff when I say this, but I do feel like there's another really good running back that's kind of been glossed over a lot because, one, he's young, and two, he plays for the Kansas Jayhawks. And and that's a guy 
If you haven't heard this name, you're going to hear it a lot because he was a, a stellar player for the Jayhawks as the season went along last year, and it's only going to continue to go up for this kid because he is special, and his name is Devin Neal. He is from Lawrence. He's a two-sport athlete. He plays baseball as well at the University of Kansas, but this last year, his freshman season... He played in 11 of the 12 games for Kansas. He rushed the ball 158 times for 707 yards. That is good for about a four and a half yards per carry average, and he scored eight touchdowns. He also caught seven passes for 60 yards, which is about an eight eight yard per catch average there, and uh, average. On top of that average, he scored one touchdown receiving wise. So nine total touchdowns. Over 760 yards and 165 total touches as a freshman on arguably the worst team in the Big 12. I don't know that it's that much of an argument. I think it's pretty clear that last year Kansas was the worst team in the Big 12, uh, except for maybe their last three games. Now, part of why Kansas did play so well over their last three games, including that win over Texas in Austin, is this guy, Devin Neal. He is a special talent, and you're going to learn a lot about this kid in the coming year because Kansas, not only are they going to be better, and I, I will die on that hill, Kansas will be a better team this year. It is not a matter of if, it is when they start to win more. I'm telling you that three wins should be the expectation for Kansas. Four could be a realistic possibility. I'm not going to go anything beyond that because I don't want you to think I'm super crazy. I'm just a little bit optimistic on what they're building there in Lawrence. And again, a large portion of that is because of the running back talent that Kansas has. And now also, in addition to Devin Neal, what they did not have last year is depth at the running back position, which helps to make a guy like this all the more special. They brought in Kai Thomas, a transfer from Minnesota, who was an absolute stud at the end of the season last year for Minnesota, played really well in their bowl game. He's a Topeka high kid as well, so he's a local product. And you add in uh, that, and they also got a running back transfer from Nebraska. So there's depth and talent in the Kansas running back room. And when you're spearheading that with arguably the best young running back in the country in Devin Neal, or maybe not in the country, let's take a step back there, in the Big 12, I do think for a kid as young as Devin Neal is, he is probably the best for his age. Now, there's probably going to be some other guys who burst onto the scene, and in six months from now, we may be looking back at this saying, hmm, Maybe that was a little bit too crazy, a little too optimistic, a little too overzealous. But that's fine. That's what this show is for, right? Where it's it's July. We want to talk college football. We want to get a little a little bit ambitious, I want to say. But I do think that a sneaky good bet potentially or a good prediction might be a guy like Devin Neal to really burst onto the scene, have a spectacular sophomore season. I think that a thousand yard season is very realistically possible for a kid like Devin Neal. I think that he's very versatile. He's very strong. And the way that his season went last year, I I, I don't think it's in, entirely crazy to assume that he's going to be the go-to offense for the Jayhawks. Uh, and I, and Looking at his his game log from a season ago, it's clear to see that his usage went up as the season went on. And in that win at Texas, he had a season high in carries with 24. He rushed for 143 yards. He averaged six yards a carry and scored three touchdowns. So if he did roughly 
a quarter or maybe 20% of his production in one game when they really still didn't even quite know what they had in Devin Neal. Imagine what they're planning there in Lawrence now. After a two-win season a year ago, I really think that this kid this kid's going to average about 15 to 20 carries per game. Now, I will say he's not going to be a super workhorse because, again, they have running back depth. But I do think that a sneaky good pick possibly a little dark horse if you want to talk about it for the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year and it might be a little crazy but I'm gonna go with Devin Neal. Now on the defensive side of things this is where I think the media got it right and it's a pretty obvious choice. They picked Kansas State's Felix Anyudike Uzama as the preseason defensive player of the year because of the season that he had a year ago which was absolutely ridiculous. He had 51 total tackles, 15 15 and a half of them for loss. He had uh or excuse me, 14 and a half of them for loss. He also had 11 sacks a year ago and he forced six fumbles. I mean, this dude was an absolute monster on the D-line for Kansas State. Part of why he produced so much is because he had to. Early in the season, Kansas State had kind of a three-headed monster on the D-line with Khalid Duke and, and Eli Huggins as well, but Khalid Duke got hurt early in the season for the for the year. He was out for the year, but K-State gets him back this year, and, and it helps, like on my offensive opinion, right, to have depth because it takes some focus away from the key guy. You can't just focus all of your planning against one guy because now— Felix Anyudike Uzama is not going to sneak up on anyone. After the season he had a year ago with 11 sacks, he is going to be game-planned around. But you have to take some of that focus onto several of the other K-State defensive players that have really come onto the scene. And again, with the addition of Khalid Duke back to the defensive line for K-State, that's going to help free up Felix Anyudike Uzama because you can't just not block Khalid Duke and... I'm not going to sit here and say that it's always going to be one-on-one blocking schemes against NUDK Uzama because that's just not realistic. You can't just put one-on-one matchups against a guy that dominant all the time and expect it to be successful. But when you have to focus attention elsewhere too, that's going to free things up. And I would take Felix NUDK Uzama excuse me, one-on-one almost every single time. So I think that they got that right. And and I won't get too far in detail because we'll talk plenty about Felix in the future. Uh, and maybe as soon as, as next week at Big 12 Media Days, because he'll be there uh, as well as several other K-State players. But another area where my opinion differs maybe from the Big 12 preseason team, the preseason newcomer of the year was the new quarterback for Oklahoma, the transfer from Central Florida, which was uh, Dylan Gabriel. And I really, like, it's it makes sense because he was good, but he, he kind of got outed for that starting spot at, uh, at UCF. So he comes to a different team, a bigger high-profile team, but Dylan Gabriel is still a very talented quarterback. But my thought is, the quarterback position is probably going to be the most likely newcomer because they get the most attention, right? Like when you talk football, you talk quarterback. You talk about a good team, it's always a good quarterback. Now, many of you, if you listen, you know my thoughts on Texas, and it's that they have the potential to be a very good team. Now, that said, I need to be shown that they are a better team 
before I will truly believe it. I'm not going to say they don't have the possibility because they, in my opinion, they have the most talented roster. But how often have we seen the most talented roster in Austin, Texas, underperform vastly over the last, you know, five to seven years? Pretty frequently, honestly. But a big part of why Texas might take a step forward is a kid who didn't really get a shot last year at his first school at Ohio State. It's Quinn Ewers. He was uh, passed over for their starting job by C.J. Stroud, which is understandable because, again, that kid is spectacular. He's probably going to be a Heisman frontrunner for portions of, of this next season. But Quinn Ewers has a realistic shot to step into the Texas lineup and start right away and become a very impactful player. So I would not be shocked if a guy who played literally two snaps all of last season at Ohio State comes in with all this media attention, all of these cameras, all of all of the spotlight is on him, and he might just take a step forward. And I'm and if that happens, if Quinn Ewers is the guy at Texas and he's performing at a high level, I'll be the first to eat my crow and say that Texas is probably back. Because if they're led by a solid quarterback and a solid running back like Bijan Robinson too, that team's going to win, and they're going to win a lot. But I think that Quinn Ewers is a sneaky good pick. But there's also a tandem, which sounds weird. But because you can't pick two guys to be the newcomer of the year. But if you listened to yesterday's show, I, I had mentioned that one of my sneaky picks for a potentially really good team in the Big 12 this year is TCU. And part of that is because they they have a very veteran group, but they added some really nice pieces through the transfer portal uh, with their new head coach, Sonny Dykes. And two of them are both running backs, Imani Bailey and Traylon Smith. So Imani Bailey comes from Louisiana Lafayette, and he ran for 650 yards and eight touchdowns last year for the Raging Cajuns, a really good Sunbelt team, a really good Sunbelt team that nearly beat Texas a year ago. They also added, like I said, Traylon Smith, who's a transfer from Arkansas, who ran for 600 yards and five touchdowns last year. So you add that tandem of nearly 1,250 yards and 13 total touchdowns just on the ground. That's not including any receiving yards. That is a pretty dangerous tandem. And you mentioned the the veteran leadership that is there for this TCU squad at the quarterback position, the rest of their receiver room, their offensive line, got a very veteran uh, defense as well, all for a brand new coach with a new scheme and a new way of thinking. And that's a pretty dangerous recipe. And again, you can't really pick just or pick two players for an award for one person. But I thought that's a pretty unique way to look at the situation because not only is it two good players, but it's two brand new players to the Big 12 Conference that are certainly worth keeping an eye on. As I look at the clock, I see that uh, we are due for a break, but when we come back, I'm going to talk about some of the sports this weekend, as well as that whole college football realignment monster that we can't seem to avoid these days. So stick with us. We'll talk about that right after the break. You're listening to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. From the 
Tech Wireless Studios. This is In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. I am Jackson Schneider, flying solo at the moment. We're going to get Sam Henderson in here for a little Mount Rushmore fun in the next segment. But for now, let's get caught up on some things going on in the world. Again, we are live from the Next Tech Wireless Studio. Lowest rates, flexible plans, exceptional customer service and coverage everywhere you are. Say goodbye to being just a number and say hello to something different at Next Tech Wireless. And uh, as you are probably well aware, there's a lot going on in the sports world at the moment. Um, there's the, the big elephant in the room of conference realignment. So let's just start there. Um, in terms of developments, there's not a lot going on at like right now. It's just a lot of rumors and dispelling rumors and and trying to speculate. There's obviously we talked about it yesterday on believable sources and, and non-credible sources, etc. But um, one of those Relatively credible sources, at least throughout this entire process, is a Twitter account at MHVER3, which is just kind of a, a college football account. They've, they've got over 10,000 followers now. Now, all of their things are purely speculative, but it's a lot of, you know, good source centered information. And I will say there's one thing that was tweeted. Um, a little earlier today by this account, again, at MHVER3 on Twitter, said that the Big 12 is working with media consultants to determine which school of the many uh, that have had apply from the AAC and Mountain West Conference would bring the best financial benefit as a fourth school. And I say fourth school because prior to that, they had said that... uh, the Big 12 is potentially creating a, a meeting amongst its member institutions to hold a vote as soon as tonight on potentially extending invitations to Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State. And they also believed that uh, one tidbit they wanted to share was that not a single Big 12 athletic director or executive uh, would be taking a day off over the weekend, kind of insinuating that things are going to be pretty busy in the uh, the coming days. Uh, but it looks like Colorado and the Arizona schools are in lockstep uh, with their future vision, uh, according to the Big 12 anyways. So it's been very interesting. Uh, but the Big 12 also could end up with a deal that pays somewhere around over $40 million per year per school uh, without any current additions. So if they do add a few schools like these Arizona schools, the Colorado school, and potentially um, a fourth addition, wherever that may come from at this point, that number could jump up even further. So that's just an interesting tidbit. And when you couple that with the fact that Big 12 football media days is next week on Wednesday and Thursday, it could be a pretty significant news weekend. So without any true hard facts at the moment, I would advise you, if this is something that you're interested in, you want to keep your eyeballs on or keep your your fingers on over the weekend, just stay tuned because there could be a lot that happens between the airing of this show on Friday evening and Monday morning or even Wednesday when Big 12 Football Media Days kicks off down in Dallas. And I will add also uh, that 
football media days for the Big 12 is going to kick off uh, on Wednesday morning with new commissioner Brett Yormark speaking to the media. Um, my initial thoughts on that are, one, welcome to the job. Uh, because the day after he was hired officially as the Big 12 uh, commissioner, the news broke of UCLA and Utah or UCLA and USC, excuse me, moving to the Big Ten. And ever since then, he's probably been running around like crazy. Not much time for onboarding or, or training, etc. Moving, he's been probably working his butt off since the moment he signed that contract. And he's going to be uh, kind of baptized by fire at media days because it's not going to be a cushy interview. It's not going to be, hey, you know, how did this come to be? What was the interview process like? It's going to be the hard hitting questions of. What the heck is the Big 12 going to do? Are they going to expand? Are they adding Pac-12 schools? Are they adding a weird combination of some Pac-12 schools and American Athletic Conference schools or, or Mountain West Conference schools? Or is it going to be weird partnerships and maybe poaching parts of the ACC? What is going on? He is going to get peppered like never before on the stage inside of Jones AT&T, or excuse me, not Jones AT&T Stadium. It's just AT&T Stadium. Jones AT&T is Texas Tech Stadium. So I'm trying to got to slow down my brain and think a little straighter. But he's going to be on that stage, and he's going to open with some interesting statement about how he's happy to be uh, the new conference commissioner and that the, the process was really interesting and blah, blah, blah. And then as soon as they open it up for questions, he is going to get bombarded with the obvious questions that we have been trying to answer through social media and through sources and through random folks we've got plugged in all over the map. Um, and he's probably going to have an, an idea or two of what the plan is, but it's going to be interesting to see how f- upfront he is about it or if he's going to keep a lot of the information that he's got wrapped up because obviously you don't want to reveal your hand without solid moves in front of you or pen to paper. He doesn't want to give the other Power 5 conferences an idea of what they're going to do because he doesn't want to give that away. So it's going to be a very intriguing interview that you're going to want to keep an eye on. And I'm very excited to hear about, um, you know, maybe how his brain thinks and what he's willing to divulge through that whole process. So very tough introduction for Brett Yormark coming on Wednesday. And and in addition to that, by the way, uh, we're going to be there, or I'm going to be there, at the Big 12 Football Media Days down in Dallas next week in an effort to, to bring you, the listener, a gigantic haul of really interesting and fun interviews. Guys such as Chris Kleiman or Lance Leipold, K-State KU players, college football reporters. Um, You may be familiar with Phil Steele, the publisher and author of the Phil Steele Football Preview magazine. He is going to join us next week. We're very excited about that. If you listen to this show, you know James and I are football nuts, college football nuts, and we have been salivating like crazy like like the cartoon character that smells the pie sitting in the windowsill and they just start drooling and floating in the air coming towards that pie. That pie is college football season and James and I are going crazy for it and we're going to start um, our previews, our, our look ahead at the season to come this week at Big 12 Football Media Days. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be very, very exciting when we get some of these fun uh, coaches and players and, and reporters on. And I uh, hope that uh, you are making that appointment radio. And, and I will also tell you, just a small hint here, 
that there's going to be more than just what airs on our station next week, on our normal 5.15 to 6 show that we have, because you can only fit so much in about 45 minutes of radio. But you also should be aware that we're on Spotify, and we're going to be adding a few bonus interviews, a little bonus content to our uh, our podcast channel next week, just in an effort to get more audio out there. So I would encourage you, if you haven't subscribed or listened to our podcast on Spotify, give it a search, In The Zone on KSAL on Spotify. Just search In The Zone on KSAL and uh, subscribe. Give it a listen. There's going to be a lot of very exciting content to keep your eye on next week and into the remaining months of summer as football season continues to approach. What I will tell you also is that there's a lot of other uh, sports going on this weekend. I'm a big tennis fan. You might have heard yesterday on our headlines segment that Rafael Nadal withdrew from his semifinal matchup, which was scheduled for today, but he uh, withdrew due to an abdominal tear. And Nick Kyrgios got a walkover to the Wimbledon final, which is scheduled for Sunday. But Novak Djokovic, the top, the top seed in the Wimbledon men's draw this year, he just defeated the other, uh, who is the player? I can't even remember um, who he played, but Djokovic won. I'm going to have to pull that score up, but it's going to be Djokovic and Kyrgios on Sunday morning from the All England Tennis Club uh, in London on, uh, I believe, on ESPN. So appointment TV Sunday morning if you want to watch that. The women's final is actually tomorrow morning, and it's uh, Elena Rabakina and Ons Jabur who are very new to the uh, Grand Slam finals stage, and that'll be tomorrow morning, worth keeping an eye on there as well. Also, the NHL draft got started last night. I'm not a huge NHL draft nut. I'm a very casual hockey fan. I do enjoy uh, hockey season, but the draft got underway last night. It's continued throughout the day today, so keep an eye on some of the developments. Lots of trades going on for Montreal and for Chicago and, and several other teams for the NHL draft, so very entertaining stuff. If you're a hockey fan or looking to get into it, now is a great time to uh, keep an eye on it. Also, of course, the Kansas City Royals. They will be in action tonight, starting with a three-game series at the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, They will start tonight. I believe that game will start at about uh, 7 o'clock, if memory serves me correctly, which means that uh, our coverage will start at 6.30 tonight here on 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. So you'll get Royals baseball all weekend long while they're in Cleveland. Uh, But another thing you'll want to keep an eye on is trade watch, because as the trade deadline approaches, which is the end of this month, guys like Andrew Benintendi and Scott Barlow, Josh Stamont, even Brad Keller have had their names circled in trade conversations. So if Andrew Benintendi, who's probably the most likely subject to be traded at this point, continues to play like he has for the Royals, I think over the last two weeks his on-base percentage is somewhere around 500, which is absolutely bananas. If that continues, the Royals are going to get a pretty hefty haul for Andrew Benintendi, and a lot of names, team names, that is, have been um, cited as 
having interest. Teams like the Dodgers, teams like the Yankees even, like high-profile, big-market contending teams are interested. So you'll want to keep an eye on the Royals, uh, not only through this weekend, but as the trade deadline approaches. But that's just a little bit of a quick roundtable, or a whip-around, I should say, of the sports that are coming up over the weekend and into next week. we got to get to one more break, but when we come back, bringing Sam Henderson in for a Mount Rushmore of the greatest video games of all time. As you might be aware, today is National Video Games Day, so we'll celebrate that when we return. You're listening to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL and 106.7 FM. Final segment of In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 on your FM dial. I am Jackson Schneider. Pleased to bring back in Sam Henderson, as we often do for fun little Mount Rushmore segments. And uh, Sam, we've got a good one today because today is Video Games Day. Not National Video Games Day, as I originally had thought, but just Video Games Day which celebrates, obviously, popular video games that stormed onto the market and changed the way that we play games. So, I figure best way to celebrate this is with a Mount Rushmore of video games. And you were saying a minute ago that all you used to play were the sports games, which is fine. You can just make it entirely out of that. I'll give you even the first pick so that you have your favorite one secured. How about that? So, my... The only way or the only reason I played sports games exclusively was because I lived a life with strict parents. So I wasn't allowed to have anything past rated E. Like I couldn't have rated T, rated M games growing up. So that pretty much just limited me to rated E games, which led to sports games, which possibly led to my love of sports. (laughs) But for my number one pick, it's a game that has held through the test of time out of necessity this is a game that i've probably put the most minutes on of any video game of all time and that's ncaa football 2014 the last college football game ea released before the long hiatus i say hiatus because they're supposedly bringing it back next year but i still have a dynasty going on ncaa (laughs) football 14 that i still play like the last game i played on it was maybe a couple weeks ago I've probably had eight different Dynasty Mode teams on there that have lasted five-plus seasons each. I've played the heck out of that game, and it's, for the most part, gameplay-wise, held up. Pretty good. It's, I still play it on occasion. Uh, I, I'm not as dedicated as you, uh, but I, I played it, I think, a few weeks ago just because I needed a football fix. I agree with that. In fact, I probably prefer the game engine on NCAA football 14 compared to like the modern Maddens like I you will hardly ever see me playing Madden 21 22 any of the recent ones see I'm going to pick my first pick will be Madden but the reason for that is because it before there were the college football games there was Madden and Madden really was the kickstarter for the football or the really the sports game craze and I would agree that the NCAA football engine is I think better But it is not the dynasty in the video game world that Madden has become. Um, I haven't bought a Madden copy since 2020, 
but I feel like every couple of years you got to buy a new one, even though by and large, it's kind of the same game, but it is always fun to have the updated players, updated information, all the new little quirky features that they add, and, and I'm a big Madden fan still. So that's going to be my first pick, but my second pick, I'm going to go with a little bit older of a game, and I'm going to go with... Uh, <laughs> and and this is old because it's it's existed before you and I even existed. But I'm gonna pick Dig Dug, which I grew up before I had like a PlayStation. My parents bought me one of those little Atari plug-in plays. That's just a little joystick, but it had like 20 old 80s games in it. And I loved Dig Dug. I still do. Um, I need to buy a new one of those little Atari things just to play it. But you just like plugged it into the back of your TV. And uh, big fan of that. So that's my second pick is Dig Dug. Do you have a specific Madden that's your favorite? Um, gosh, what year was it? The one with Mike Vick on the cover. Oh four. Yeah, that would okay. have been. Yeah, that would have been probably one of the first ones that I owned. And it seems to be that one, the one everyone thinks back to because he was just, he just broke the game. Oh, he was yeah. a broken player and he could do whatever you wanted with Mike Vick. But that, probably that one uh, was my favorite Madden. But then, of course, 2020, Patrick Mahomes on the cover. I'm a little biased there, so I enjoy that one too. Fair um, enough. I was just, I was curious if you had one in mind. So you have Madden and what, Dig Dug? Dig Dug, yes. Interesting. I'll have to Our older that crowd will definitely know about that one. I'm, I'm probably one of the only 26 year old males out there that is well aware of the game of Dig Dug and is an avid fan of it. Yeah, that was definitely before my time. So for my second pick. If you've listened to the show before, you probably know I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and there's a lot of pro wrestling games out there, but my favorite one I've ever played was, it actually came out before I started getting into wrestling, so I had to go back and get it and play it, uh, even though it was a little older, but it's legendary. It's SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain. It's the one with Brock Lesnar on it from <laughs> 2003, I think. It still holds up to this day where you can play like a season mode and the game has all these different branches of storylines. You can get like you never have the same season mode twice huh. just because of all the different decisions you make throughout season mode. You can pick whatever wrestler you want to be. And the roster is absolutely stacked because that's when John Cena first started. That's when Randy Orton was first getting started. And you combine that with all the Attitude Era stars that were still in the company at the time. It's one of the most stacked video game huh. rosters you've ever seen when it comes to professional wrestling. So SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain would be my number two overall pick. My number three pick, I'm trying to transition a little bit away from sports so I don't just have four sports picks. So I'm going to go with one of my favorite games that comes to us from the Wii. Really? The Wii. Okay. It was a revelation when I played this game on the Wii because you could like control things just like like you were actually doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's Star Wars The Force Unleashed. So like you could control your enemies by choking them with the force by like thrusting out your right <laughs> hand. It was awesome. That's a game that uh, came out probably like 2008, 2009. I was in latter elementary school when it came out it was one of the first games we had on the wii and i loved it just because of the interactivity you could have with the wii remotes and uh doing like the lightning out of your hands and all that stuff i it's probably one of 
two non-sports games huh. I've ever beaten, like the story mode. I just don't play story modes of non-sports yeah, games. Yeah, I've never played this game. But so, I, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. No, I would be into that if you're using the Force with the little Wii controller. That's a good one. I'm going to go with Mario Kart uh, as my next one because not only is it just an awesome game, and you can play it Wii, Nintendo Switch now, whatever, Um and I, I think back to playing it in its early stages, like on the N64 when I was a kid and playing all that stuff. But it became more of a favorite of mine in college because my roommates and I would play it almost every night, uh, just play some races and, and smack talk each other. And I was never really good, but it was always a really good time. So I'm going to pick Mario Kart with that one. And, and that's probably I probably should have taken that one earlier, but I'll. I'll still stick with it, at least on my roster. And then for my last pick, it's it's difficult because there are so many. I had thought about like Tony Hawk Pro Skater or like Grand Theft Auto. Um, but NBA Street was another one that I had on my list. Um, but the one that has more recently affected me is Call of Duty Warzone, which is obviously one of the bigger video games in the world right now. But I don't know that I would have been able to get through the pandemic without it. I literally played video games like two hours a day when I had nothing else to do and sometimes more uh, with my friends since we couldn't go anywhere, couldn't do anything. We just played Xbox and played Warzone almost constantly. So that is going to be my my last pick is Call of Duty Warzone. I'm glad you mentioned uh, all the free time we had during the original lockdown because I played a lot of video games as well. I don't think they're going to make my Mount Rushmore, but shout out to NFL head coach 09. <laughs> I played that game religiously <laughs> when lockdown first started, so that'll be my honorable mention. But for my last and final pick, you got my brain going when you mentioned the Nintendo 64 because that was the first game system I ever played. Uh, my brother had one, and that's just naturally what I started playing video games on and i'm going to pick the original super smash bros because that was my favorite game when i was like four years old i thought it was awesome uh, playing as link or mario or fox captain falcon was my favorite That's a good one and uh, it was on the nintendo 64 my brother was so much better than i was <laughs> so i would just run away from him on all the maps if we played against each other usually we were on the same team and my brother would just kind of carry the team if you will but uh, yeah the, the original super smash bros some of my earliest video game memories come from that so that'll be my final pick. That's that's a really good one. I I'm kind of mad I forgot about Smash Bros. That's I have like nine written down on my notepad, and that's not one of them. And I'm kind of mm. mad about it. But that's a good list. So you got NCAA football 14, the uh, SmackDown, Here Comes the Pain, the Star Wars, The Force Unleashed on the Wii, and the original Super Smash Bros. That's a pretty good list. I had Madden, Dig Dug. People might hate me because I didn't pick Pac Man, but. Oh, it's my yeah. list. Screw them. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Mario Kart, and then, of course, Call of Duty Warzone. So that's a good little Mount Rushmore of video games on this video game day. Sam, thank you for joining us. It's a lot more fun to do Mount Rushmores with multiple people than just saying it by myself. So I'm what, glad you could join us. What I would have done to be able to hear James Wessling's video <laughs> game, Mount Rushmore, I would have given anything to hear. We'll have to get him back in the studio someday and we have will. him just give his Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he was he was lazy today out avoiding work responsibilities on the golf course. So uh, we'll just 
we'll have to pick his brain another day. But uh, that's going to wrap up our show for today. If you missed anything, check us out on Spotify, In the Zone on KSAL there. But he's Sam Henderson. I am Jackson Schneider. You've been listening to In the Zone on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. Hey, 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 hey.